Proverbs 17, go down to verse number one tonight. Proverbs 17, verse number one. The Bible says, better is a dry morsel in quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. Better is a dry morsel in quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this evening. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. We're thankful, Lord, that we get to, uh, Lord, meet together in fellowship on a Wednesday night, Lord, and just... Uh, Lord, with everything that's going on, God, with all the bad news we seem to got this week, Lord, thankful for a place where we get to meet up with a good God. And I ask you tonight, Lord, you'd work in our hearts, help us tonight with whatever personal issues we're facing and we're fighting, God, we are striving to get the victory against. I pray, Lord, tonight we'd remember, Lord, it's nothing in and of ourselves that will win the victory. But God, Lord, the victory, you've already promised it to us if we trust you and by faith believe you. And I ask you tonight, Lord, you'd us tonight, Lord, uh, get some practical truth out of the word of God tonight that we can apply and live in our everyday life. Lord, we thank you for the book of Proverbs. We thank you for a book full of wisdom, uh, wise sayings and wise truths, God, that don't just sound good, but they live real good too. And I ask you tonight, Lord, how about the cross of Calvary? God, would you get me out of myself? Fill me with the spirit of God. And just, Lord, let me be used of you one more time. Lord, I'm thankful for another opportunity to open up the word of God. Lord, I love you and I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Tonight we'll be looking at verse 1 and verse 9 in verse number 24 in the book of Proverbs. And as we go through, you say, well, preacher, what do those three verses have in common? Do they all begin with the same word? Well, no. Do they all deal with the same subject? Well, that, that's not it either. Well, what do they all have in common? It is, as I was reading through Proverbs 17, I was reminded of a game that sometimes my kids like to play with me and Miss Becky, and it's a game called Would You Rather. How many of y'all ever played Would You Rather? Just raise your hand, right? It's a game where somebody gives you two choices, and you have to pick which one would you rather do or rather have or rather experience, right? And sometimes you're picking between two good things, right? Would you rather have a personal chef or a personal maid? Really, either one would be a blessing, right? Either one would be a cool experience to have. They have a personal maid or a personal chef, but the big boy inside of me would say, chef, right? Bring me on some fancy food, cook it for me. As long as the chef does the dishes too, then everything works out. If not, I'll just ask that Miss Becky picks a personal maid. Right? And there everything will be taken care of. Everything would be wonderful. Would you rather? Sometimes you're picking between two good things, right? And then sometimes you're picking between two bad things. Right? Let me ask you that. Would you rather listen to 30 minutes of an off-key Christmas cantata or 30 minutes of a monotone preaching? Well, I mean, really neither, preacher. <laughs> If I had to pick, I really wouldn't want what I guess I'd pick this one. And a lot of times it opens up, how could you pick that? Why would you choose that? But normally when you play with kids, you're not picking between good, two good things or two bad things. The reality is you end up picking between two disgusting things. Right? It goes like this. Would you rather eat a toenail sandwich or eat spaghetti and meatballs, but instead of noodles, it is made with hair? And you hear that and you're like, neither. And they say, that's not how you play the game. You have to pick one 
or the other. And so what these verses have in common tonight is they are would-you-rather verses. In essence, tonight we are given two choices in the Bible and you cannot say, well, I want neither of those because you're going to have to pick one or the other. Which one would you rather tonight? Notice number one tonight, we see, would you rather have a little with a lot of peace or a lot with a little peace? Verse number one, the Bible says, better is a dry morsel in quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. Now, to be honest with you, that tonight one of the driest crackers that I've ever eaten in my life was when my dad used to go out into the field with the army. He'd go out for training. And they, he'd call it, they'd call it going out to the field. And he'd come back from the field and he'd always somehow bring home with him an MRE. If not one, two, one for me and one for my brother. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know how he got those. I don't know if he starved himself out there so he could bring them home to us or if he stole them from Uncle Sam. I'm really not sure. Right, But either way, he would come home with these MREs, and as a young boy, they fascinated me. Right, Because you could pour water in it, you could put your packet in there, and it would heat it up and cook whatever was in there, red beans and rice, beef frankfurters was one another one, macaroni and cheese with hamburger in it, all these different things. And so you'd have your main course that you put in the pouch, and it would warm up, but you also normally got a dessert, and then you got some crackers and either peanut butter jelly or squeeze cheese, right? I remember as a young boy, I remember opening up that cracker packet and you take a bite out of it and it was the most driest, stalest piece of bread or cracker you would ever eat in your life. Matter of fact, the only way you could eat it was with the peanut butter, the jelly, or the cheese. But I remember it just being so dry and, and I, I got a chuckle to myself because as we were preparing for the Lord's Supper, I was trying some of that matzo bread out and I was like, this reminds me of what my dad used to bring home in the MREs. It was just dry, right? Those kind of things. But we're going to see here tonight, the Bible's asking us when it's, uh, and, and that's what I thought of when I thought of a dry morsel, right? Who in the world would want that? Well, it's not necessarily the, the thing that we want, but that is what, which is attached to the thing. There was peace that was with it, or quietness. The Bible doesn't just give us an option here. It tells us which one is better, too. It doesn't say, well, listen, we're going to give you two choices. you got to figure out which one for yourself is better. No, the Bible says right there in verse 1 that the first option is better. Could you imagine going on to uh, let's make a deal? And uh, the, the host tells you, listen, you can either do deal one or deal two, but I'm going to tell you deal one is better, so you might want to pick that one. Right, well, we're going to think the host is lying to us, so we're going to pick number two. But the Bible isn't lying. So the Bible here tells us that there's the better option. It makes it real clear. The better option is the first option, which was what? A little with a lot of peace. A little with a lot of peace. The Bible doesn't just say a little. It says a dry morsel. So that word dry means parched, ruined, or stale. Now, let me ask you, how many of us get excited over stale breadcrumbs? I mean, when's the last time you got so excited you had to put it on Facebook? I just want to let everybody know I got stale breadcrumbs at my house. That's not something we brag about, right? That's not something that we're normally proud of. But do you really mean that's all I could have and still have peace? Right? Yes, as long as your contentment is in the right place. In essence, tonight, we have to realize in the Christian life, our peace does not come from things. 
Our peace does not come from possessions. Our peace does not come from how much we have or really how little we have. Really, our peace comes from whether or not we're willing to be content with what the Lord has given us. And the reality is tonight that it is not up to you and I to deem which is enough, right? The Lord knows what we need far better than we do ourselves. And so we're going to see tonight that it is absolutely possible for you and I to have nothing more than a dry morsel and yet still have the peace of God and still be in a better place than somebody who is opposite of that. And so we see tonight how many of us grew up, you know, and you say, well, preacher, does it really, can you really not have everything and still be happy and still have peace? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or to say anything like that. Maybe you grew up poor. Right, you, it was known that you were, you know, you were, you grew up poor and your family didn't have everything, but you didn't realize that until you got to an older age. Right, because as you were growing up, whoever it was there around you didn't make a big deal out of what you didn't have. They made the best of the situation. Right, they, they made everything to seem like everything was fine until you grew up and realized, I didn't have what everybody else had. I, I, my family didn't go out to eat every Sunday. My family didn't, we didn't have a refrigerator in our garage, right? You learn all these things later on in life. And it, it, it's not until you, it's, there's, a, there's a, I don't have a specific, it doesn't happen, you know, it happens at the age 15, right? But there's a certain time frame in your life when you begin to realize that one of the reasons why you were so happy is not because your parents gave you things, but rather because you had parents, you had people that loved you and cared for you and, took, and you begin to realize and you begin to look at your parents as more just human beings than just you know, who they were in that sense. And, and I, I remember growing up and, and coming to this realization and we were living in a generation right, that thinks as long as I give my kids things, they're going to be happy. Can I say I grew up and, and, and there was a time in my life where we were able to get a lot of things. My dad had retired and he was making a lot of money being a government contractor. We can do a lot of things. Can I say to be reality, I don't have any of those things anymore. A lot of what was given to me, it was not given for the long term. And boy, I would, you know, if I could go back, I'd say keep the things. Let's just spend some time together. And that's so that, uh, the, the success in parenting isn't making sure your kids have a lot of things, make sure they have what they need, no doubt, provide for them, but begin to teach them that peace and contentment and joy doesn't come in things because things break down. Ty and Jordan have been telling about their first trucks that they're desiring to buy and they want and they're saving up money for, which is a good thing, but just remember it's not gonna last you for your whole life. Matter of fact, you'll be, on, you'll be able to praise the Lord if it lasts more than a year. Matter of fact, I can tell you my first, my first car was a 1998 Mercury Mountaineer. Preacher, where's it at now? In the junkyard somewhere. <laughs> Between me and Brother Kurt, it didn't survive. <laughs> but we see tonight, uh, you're going to have a little, but yet still have a lot of peace because really our contentment doesn't come in a thing. The Bible said it'd be, you'd be in a far better place to get rid of a lot of stuff and still have the peace of God instead of getting to the place where you have to have stuff thinking you're going to get peace. The Bible says to not a little with a lot or a, a better is a dry morsel in quietness therewith. 
So the opposite to that, would you rather have a little with a lot of peace or would you rather have a lot with little peace? It goes on to say in the second part, then a house full of sacrifices with strife. Let me ask you tonight, how many sacrifices you got in your house? That's not normal language that we use nowadays. Right, I don't, I don't think you, 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 maybe in the new year you say, well, you know what, I've been praying about it, I want some more sacrifices in my house. Right, but really what was going on there, it was talking about uh, animals that have been sacrificed or that are, that are, and it was talking about a table that was spread with all kinds of meats and all kinds of, of foods and all kinds of amenities that have come from a sacrifice in that sense. The Bible said a house full of sacrifice gives the image of a table spread and the best and the finest is there. In essence, you look at that table and your mouth begins to water. You look at that table and you say, man, they have not spared a dime. But then when you look past the table and you realize the atmosphere, the appetizers lose their appeal. Why? Because with that, at- with that, with that appetizer, with that table full of sacrifices comes strife. Right, it comes strife. What is good, what, what good is all that stuff if it's wrapped up in strife? I remember reading a statistic somewhere about the average home, the average debt level in America is beyond almost belief tonight. And we wonder why there's so much strife in our homes is because people have given so much of themselves for stuff and not found what they were looking for. And we're, we, we can, even as Christians, we're not immune to that, right? And I even heard a, a wife say one time, my husband has to work to afford all the things that I want. And it just didn't sit well with me. Well, that, that doesn't make sense because I don't think that mentality is going to lead to a wonderful marriage because here's the husband at work. The only reason why I'm here is because my wife wants to spend all the money. And here's the wife over here. Well, he, I mean, if he loved me, he, he, he'd appreciate working hard for me and give me all the things that I want. Can I say tonight, when I used to come home from work, every now and again, I would stop by and I would maybe pick something up for Miss Becky, maybe a nice coffee or things like that. I would stop by and pick those things up. And no doubt she was appreciative of those things. But in reality, she was glad that I was home. Right, that her, 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 I was about to say her man was home. Right, about went real south Augusta on you. But she was glad that I was home. And because, I mean, yes, the things are nice. But the fact that I was willing and wanting to come home meant so much more to her. And the same thing is true in our Christian life. Right, we, we, we get mad and we get upset with God. We get out of ways. Lord, I, here's what I want. Lord, here's what I, I think I need. And it's something that I want. And God doesn't give it to us because he knows that the, the amount of strife that is tied towards it. Strife becomes an endless cycle when the root cause isn't dealt with. And maybe tonight, maybe tonight you know, you know a couple, you know a family, they got things and they got nice stuff, but you would say, man, I would never model, want to model my home after that. Because it's one of those that you, even when you go over there as a visitor, you've got to walk on eggshells. Because you can feel the tension in the room. And let me say, this is not just a rich people problem. There's people that I know that are, that they are, they are on the bottom end of the social economic scale. And yet, all their, their, their things aren't necessarily things they possess, but the things they wish they had that cause strife. 
And it's just back and forth, back and forth. The Bible says that. Why is it? Because they're not choosing the better thing. The better thing is to have contentment with just a dry morsel in peace. And it is, I expect to have everything, uh, even though it comes with strife. So let me ask that. Which one would you rather? Would you rather have a little with a lot of peace or a lot with a little peace? Then notice number two tonight. Would you rather be a coverer or would you rather be a repeater? Excuse me, preacher. Look at verse number nine of Proverbs 17. The Bible said, He that covereth the transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. So I'm asking you, which one would you rather be, a coverer or a repeater? I'm not even sure coverer is a real word, but when you preach the message, you can come up with a better word, amen? And so we see, well, would you rather be a coverer? The Bible seems to make that these would uh, rather almost rhetorical, right? We, well, preacher, I know the question. I know the answer. I'm supposed to rather be a coverer, right? Because obviously when you read the verse, the uh, Bible, I mean, the repeater has a bad effect and the coverer has a good effect. Well, the reality is a lot of times you and I already know the answer to the question. We just choose not to obey it. We choose to think otherwise. We choose, you know what? I can skirt around it this time. God understands. Once we'll preach, obviously, I, I want to I, I be a coverer. Well, let me ask you, what is a coverer? Right, the Bible said, he that covered the transgression seeketh love. Now, here's how I've often heard this verse explained, and even understood it to myself a lot of the times, was if I love somebody or I genuinely love them, I'll be willing to cover their sin. Right, in essence, to pretend like it doesn't never, or, did, or pretend like it didn't or hasn't ever happened. Let me ask you that. Does the Holy Ghost do that with your sin? Does he, when, when you and I get crossways with him, when you and I disobey him, is he faithful to point that out to, to, towards us or to us tonight and to tell us, hey, listen, we don't, need, we don't need to say that no more. We don't need to go there no more. We don't need to look at that no more. We don't need to uh, uh, long for that anymore. I don't know about you, but he's faithful to do that to me. He's faithful to convict my heart. He's, he's faithful, Lord, uh, to bring those things up. Why? He wants the best for me. But I'd also say tonight he does it because he loves us. And he cares for us. And so tonight, well, the, the Holy Ghost is faithful to us. How in the world could we take that verse and say, well, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to bring it up to them because I love them. Well, then when you begin to look the word cover up or the word covereth up, you begin to understand what's really meaning here. Because when I look that word covereth up, guess what it means? To plump. Now, when I read that at first, I thought, huh? <laughs> to plump. To plump is what it means. It also means to fill up the hollows. And I began to read it and began to study behind and, and look at this thing. And the Bible said that those who seeketh love plumpeth up a transgression. <laughs> that don't make no sense, does it, Silas? <laughs> got a, I got an audible laugh out of him. Right now, I said, what in the world? But when you take that understanding of it's not just to plump up, but rather it's to take and fill in that which is lacking. Right, in essence, to, to restore something to where it's supposed to be. And so the Bible says, when you and I truly seeketh love, yes, we'll be a coverer of a transgression. That does not mean we, we, we put the rug over it and pretend like it, and we try to hide it and like it never happened, but rather we, we fill up, we are, we are coming there to restore and to fill up that which is lacking. In order to do that, you've got to point out where the hollows are. 
Point out, you got to point out where the issues are. And it's not done in a derogatory or demeaning or judgmental attitude, I am better than you, but rather I love you dearly, and as one who loves you, I'm a, the Lord has allowed me to see it from this perspective, and there is a lack here, and we need to get this resolved so it can be fold and filled and operate like it's supposed to be operating. And so when I, we see a cover there, one who, who plumps up, they fill up the hollows of a transgression. A cover is one who is concerned with someone so much, they love them so much, that they're willing to help fill in and up the damaging cracks that sin has caused in their life. And it takes an amount of honesty there. It's not pretending like it never happened. Right, just in case tonight if someone you loved dearly had you know, just gotten saved by the grace of God, was a real bad alcoholic, and they came to you and they said, listen, I'm so excited the Lord saved me. I'm not going to go drink, but I'm going to go back to the bar because they have a real good hamburger there. Something in you ought to say, listen, that might not be the best idea. I understand they got a good hamburger there, but you know there's great temptation there too. If you hang out there long enough, you might fall back into that. And I love you enough to tell you that. Instead of just saying, oh man, that's great, that's wonderful. Go back there. Now, you can't stop them from making a decision, but you can warn them and give, them, and give it out of love tonight. So we see, well, what is a coverer? Well, they are one who, who is willing to fill in the cracks. But notice this, what is a repeater? What is a repeater? Well, that's somebody who takes something they heard and they just repeat it, right? That's what a, a signal repeater does. It takes a signal that is delivered to it and it just repeats it further out. Uh, what, and... And they just pass it on, or, or they are somebody who never seems to drop an issue. You ever met somebody who never seems to drop an issue? I'm talking about 37 years ago, something happened that offended them. And 37 and a half years later, they have to let you know. I want to let you know, 37 years ago, somebody said something, and I'm still offended by it. Good and well, that person's dead and gone. <laughs> what do you want me to do? How do you want me to fix this? Well, what is a repeater, right? There is someone who, who is not willing to drop something even at the sake of somebody else's friendship. Look what the Bible says right there in verse number nine. But, for he, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends, right? In essence, tonight, when you begin to break it down, you begin to realize at some point, maybe these friends had a disagreement, right? And maybe over time, they worked through that disagreement. Now they are very friends. Their friendship has grown, but here comes the repeater. You're his friend now. You are, you are in his corner. Don't you remember what he said to you? Don't you remember what he did to you? Right, there's some people tonight that, that, that for various reasons, right, I, I, I love them, I care for them, and, and I desire the best for them, but God has not placed a close fellowship with them in my life. And there's other people that, that I know that are acquaintance of mine or acquaintance of the, the, these other people that God has allowed them and God is working those things together. Uh, and there, and I, here's, it's not my place to go in there and say, well, before you go and do all that, let me tell you what happened to me. Right? At the same time tonight, the Bible says it's not my job to play the Holy Spirit. In essence, tonight, the repeater is somebody who never, never either gets over an issue or never allows an issue to die. 
They are constantly bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. Let me ask you that. Would you rather be a coverer who helps fill in the cracks that sin has caused in somebody's life or would you rather be a repeater who always brings up the sin that is in people's lives? The repeater is willing to get in the way of the reconciling work of the Holy Spirit. Which one would you rather tonight? Then notice number three tonight, would you rather, look at verse 24, would you rather have understanding guide you or have urges guide you? Look at verse 24. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. If you want to hit the target 100% of the time, I learned this in the cabinet shop. If you want to hit the target 100% of the time, all you have to do is shoot the arrow and then go draw your target around it. And you'll hit the bullseye 100% of the time. Well, that's not how life really works. That's not how competition really works. And so, you know, it's simple, but it's not accurate. And so tonight, when, when, would you rather have understanding guides? you rather have urges guides? you? We have to ask yourself, what is your target? What are you focused on tonight? In order for understanding to guide you, you have to have a singular focus. In order to live a life of understanding, of, of learning, and of knowledge, now you have to have a singular focus. And when the Bible tells in verse number 24, well, what is that, preacher? It is wisdom, right? Wisdom is before him that hath understanding. So a man with understanding is walking towards and guided by wisdom. That is a singular or ladies as well tonight. Wisdom is the only thing before a person of understanding. They'll say, who has wisdom? Where can I find wisdom? What can I do with wisdom? How does wisdom apply to this certain situation or issue in my life? Proverbs 3.13 says, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. There's found wisdom which leads to understanding, right? So we see tonight, if we're gonna be people of understanding, we have to ask ourselves, where's wisdom? Where is wisdom? And then seek after wisdom. Preacher, I want to understand some things. Preacher, I want to understand about this. And I want to understand about that. And, and I, I, want to, I want some more insight on this, this issue. Preacher, what do I need to do? Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom tonight. Understanding has a singular focus. So would you rather have understanding guide you or would you rather have your urges guide you? Would rather have your urges guide you? Now here's the thing tonight. We all have something that, that urges us, right? Something that we just enjoy, something that nobody has to talk us into doing it. It's just something that we like to do. It's something that we, we, it's just something that we enjoy to do. We are naturally inclined to like those things. But the Bible said that the foolish has many focuses. In essence, their urges are constantly changing. It's this, it's that, it's this, it's that, it's this and that. The Bible says right there that their eyes are in the ends of, of the earth, not that their eyeballs have left their sockets and they're all the way on the other side of the world, but rather they are, they're going back and forth all the way to the ends of the earth trying to find the next thing, right? Trying to find the, 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 the next satisfaction, the next thing to uh, please and the, the cause pleasure in their life, right? It's, that it's not that they are able to see super far away, but that they are constantly changing and going from one thing to the next. You ever raised a toddler, you know what that's like. Just a few moments, here they are. Here's all your toys, play with your toys. And for 30 seconds, they do. They're on the next thing. 
What are you doing over here? And they're on to the next thing, one thing to the next, one thing to the next. And sometimes, right, the way that we are naturally wired to do, right, that's, that's, what, that's what the world teaches, right? You, you can't stand still. You got to find the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. That's why when we come to tell young people, hey, don't even try drugs, alcohol uh, for the first time. Why? Because if there's never a first time, there'll never be a second time. And so we see tonight that the, the, the foolish man, the Bible says, the foolish man is constantly one thing to the next, 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 looking for satisfaction and fulfillment. It's good for a little bit, and then it loses its luster onto something else. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you ever switch jobs, right? You, you, you leave one job, and you go to the next job, and you're like, man, this is the greatest job in the world, and then something changes one day. That great job becomes just like the other job, right? I mean, the reality is, you say, it's, it's the reality, it's the same. You can say that about churches. You can say that about preachers. You can say that about choirs and Sunday school teachers. Oh, man, they, they, I just, I'm done with that one. I'm going to go to the next one. This church is the greatest. Just to find out, they're full of not perfect people either. And so it's from one church to the next, one church to the next, one job from the next, one this from the next, one this from the next. The Bible said that is a foolish way to live. Thinking that, all right, if I just leave this one, then I'll, then I'll find the next one, I'll find the next one, I'll find the next one. The reality is tonight, well, preacher, what do I need to do? You need to seek wisdom because wisdom doesn't change. God's word doesn't change tonight. It is always going to say what it's always said, and we still need to learn what it's always said. And so we see tonight that uh, would you rather have your urges guide you? I've met, I've, I've met some people in my life who have lived a life full of urges. You know what they have left the show for it? Hardly anything. But I've met some people who have put their heart and mind toward God's word and God's wisdom, and they have a lot to show for it. They might just have a dry morsel, but the knowledge that they have and possess. You ever listen to somebody teach the word of God or preach the word of God? That's why I love getting underneath old, old I say it respectfully, old preachers old men of God who aren't just old in age, but they are old in the ministry. They're old in, uh, in studying the God's word and it just oozes out of them. And I'll say, Lord, that's what I want. And he'll tell me, we'll seek wisdom. It didn't just happen. They didn't just wake up one day and all of a sudden this was just pouring out of their brain. There was a daily search in their life. The same thing is true for you and I. Would you rather have understanding guide you or would you rather have your urges guide you? And so tonight, I'll ask you the question one more time. Would you rather? Which one would you rather tonight? Let's pray to heaven.